podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven. While the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook, just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A dot com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala dot com. Good afternoon, you didn't expect to see me, did you? My name's Kevin Graham and welcome to the Thursday Bulletin. And as usual on a Thursday, we're joined by J.P. Mason. J.P., how are you today? Hi, good man. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm impressed that Google, <coughs> excuse me, Google can understand a, a thick Stirlingshire accent. I just, uh, just heard Kev instruct his Google to, to stop. <laughs> hey, Google, stop. <laughs> that was brilliant. I, I, I usually... That. I usually swear at it when it doesn't do it the first time. Eh? Um, I'm sure the wee person that was listening to it in, in Silicon Valley somewhere enjoys my Stirling accent as well. Uh, maybe they understand it better than some of our viewers, actually, so, judging by some of the comments that I actually get. Um, it's St Paddy's Day, and we're getting a lot of St Paddy's Day messages in. Paddy comes in and wishing us all a happy St Patrick's Day. Jungle Lion, Kevin McSweeney, uh, Art Tick, Arts Duke, and Donny Boy. Happy St. Patrick's Day to anybody, to everybody out there who's yep. out celebrating. And now that brings me nicely to the top over your shoulder. JP, tell us a story about that kit. Uh, it was a gift, actually, from uh, my friend James. Um, <clears throat> he uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, his gran was Irish and... Uh, he um, brought a lot of Irish kits when he was younger, and he, he found that recently in his loft, and uh, and very kindly gave it to to me. So I thought I would uh, display it on this uh, St Patrick's Day, um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's an old. I think it's two thousand and two. Yeah, I was going to say I think it's two thousand and two. I'd, I'd not done my my homework on it, um, 
I've only had one Irish top in my life, and it was an Opal number from probably about 90, 96, 97, something like that. Probably oh, yeah, with with a collar and uh, uh, the, the classic one, eh? Yeah. Opal always just reminds me of Jack Charlton and those oh. World Cup and those World Cup sides and the nineteen ninety four top with the free Adidas bits. Down yeah, the, I love I love that kit. That oh. might be a bit later in two thousand and two. Coming to think about it, I think that could be. I might be 2002. I think they wore it in a World Cup anyway. I'm sure one of our Irish uh, contributors in the comments will actually keep us right uh, regarding that, our, our, our lack of knowledge regarding uh, Ireland international kits. Now, since it's St Paddy's Day as well, and we had the sad news this week that Pete St John had actually died, uh, the, the man who wrote The Fields Arf and Rye. So I think it's quite fitting that we maybe start off talking about that song and what it actually means to Celtic JP. Get the music out the road quick. I can Aye. see them I can see them coming Aye. out of the comments already. Eh? At least there's a bit of a link with this one and it's not totally off piste as as uh, some people get really uh, irritated <laughs> at his doing on a Thursday. It's uh, it's quite remarkable the the Venom. Uh, the, oh, there we go. 2002. I, I, I was right. I did say 2002. And the reason I, I think I remember it was 2002, I was in Tenerife and I watched the Irish World Cup games in a Celtic pub. And I think that's how I can remember it was 2002. I can't remember the name of the pub. I'm going oh. back to Tenerife in a couple of weeks. So, oh, um, man. The Dubliner was... I, I've only been to Tenerife. I've been to Tenerife twice and the only lads holiday, lads holiday I ever went on uh, was 99 and we went to the Tenerife and honestly the Dubliner man was, it's, I can't remember, it's in Las Americas and you go down a set of stairs. Down, down the stairs, I, no it wasn't that one, definitely no. Alright, well, well the one I went to was just, it was, they had a live band every night and it was just so, so great and uh, I've, I've got photos of me with my Larson 7 Celtic top on in there, I mean it was 99 so it was of the time. And uh, they played the Fields of Athen uh every night in their, the, the the live band. They would play like U2 and like Hills of Donegal and stuff like that. But I mean, they would play the Fields of Athen Rye. And the reason uh, Fields of Athen Rye means a lot to me is just because my, my dad was I'm a huge, huge fan of that song, but complete, nothing to do with Celtic. Um, he would play that when I was a wee guy in the house. Like, and, I, and I, I used to be like, oh, what are you putting that on for? Like this sort of, this, this, uh, this dirge, you know what I mean? And I'm talking about, I'm like seven, eight years old. And then, uh, you know, he would always fire this Paddy Riley vinyl on. Uh, I was actually looking forward to see if I, I had it, and I don't think I do, which I'm gutted about. And put it on, and <clears throat> he, would, he, would, he would belt out the fields of Athen Rye. My dad was from Bradford in Yorkshire. <laughs> he had no skin in that particular game. But loved the song, and then when I started going to the games, I was like, "Wait a minute, I know this song." When you'd hear the crowd singing it, I'd be like, "I know." Mm-hmm. Them. And I remember going home to my dad and saying, well, "That song you used to play when I was wee, that they, they sing that at Celtic Park." And then we started to have a conversation about the origins of the song and everything else. And and then I was looking into it last night, and Pete and John wrote that in 1979. Yes. I, I, Totally thought that's the year I was born. I totally thought that was a song that was like way, way back in time. You know, like you know, a, a really old school kind of, I don't know, nineteen thirties, nineteen forties song or whatever. But no, he wrote it seventy nine, and 
when you think about you 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 put pen to paper on uh, on poetry and stuff like that, you think about writing a song like that and and how it's impacted so many people, how it's become such a massive song for for uh, you know the Irish people and almost like a kind of I don't know unofficial national anthem. It's it's probably something that being a sort of creative person myself, it's something that I'll never actually dream of when you actually write something that's going to become that big and something that gets taken right out of your hands. I I speak about that quite often and I know at the same level, but the Tommy Burns poem that I wrote, it doesn't seem like mine's anymore. It it, it, it doesn't seem like mine's. And I'm sure the Fields Aff and Rye was like that for Pete St John as well. I can first remember that the fields are and rye, and, and somebody will maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, it was the mid-90s. And it was around about the time when Fergus McCann came in with the, the Boys Against Bigotry campaign when Fergus came in. And, and I, I think that was around about the first time that I paid attention to the fields are and rye getting sung uh, quite often at Celtic Park. Then by the time you got to the turn of... Uh, the year 2000, it was quite a staple within the Celtic support. I may be wrong, and my, my mind's no the best. My, my mind's no the best when it comes to that, eh? eh? But as you say, it's it's became an anthem within the Celtic support, and it has been for the last couple of decades anyway. There's even the Liverpool fans have got a version version of it as well, and it, it's, I think it's great to remember Pete and John this this. St. Patrick's Day as well for writing a song that we've all belted out on the terraces and in the stands with Absolutely. great gusto and on holidays in Irish bars after <laughs> after actually hearing the, hunt, the, the hills of Donegal for the 40th time that night <laughs> like, and, and battering out the, the fields off and rye as well. So our thoughts and prayers go out to Pete St. John and his family and hopefully, and hopefully everybody... What a legacy! What a legacy. Def- it definitely is a legacy and something that that something that we hopefully help to support keep on going. We've had a, a wee dodgy song this week on Monday night, which has got a uh, got a, got a lot of press, and I'm, I'm actually quite pleased that the majority of the Celtic support have been vehemently against it and decried the small minority. It actually changed the the, the lyrics to what is an all-inclusive song. Yeah. We, may as well talk, we may as well talk about uh, Monday night. You, you were at Tanadice and you just told me, uh, uh, you just told me, that was the first time you've been at Tanadice for 22 years. Yeah, life moves pretty fast, as uh, Ferris Bueller once said. Um, I, can't, I, I couldn't actually get my head around the fact that it had been that long. It's just one of those ones, like Martin O'Neill's first season, uh, I was at every single game, home and away, in uh, the league and, and both cups, and you know, an incredible thing to do, obviously on a, a student loan uh, budget or student grant budget and loan budget at the time. Um, and then, I guess over the years, you know, you pick and choose what you go to. Uh, you know, been a season ticket holder for uh, since '98. I've been a season ticket holder. Um, since 98, bar a hiatus of about four years between 2008 and 2012. Um, so, you know, once you jump off the season ticket bus, you don't really get access to, to away tickets and things like that. So um, I didn't get anything in those times. And then obviously Dundee United had been away for a bit. 
as well. So you factor that in. But even still, 22 years is absolutely insane. And going back into that ground was very nostalgic, put it that way, because it's just, you know, brought back a lot of memories. I was sitting in a seat that was almost exactly the same seat as when Henrik Larsson scored what was his comeback goal. Remember the, 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 with the yellow kit and he, he put the tongue out? So that was like his first goal back after essentially his, uh, his leg break because he came back and played the last game of the season against Dundee United. Is that right? When you're the, yeah. you're the next player. Uh, he came back against Dundee United and he played the first game the following season against Dundee United at five past six on a Sunday night at Tanadice. Aye, aye, aye. So but it's so mad that the where I was sitting in the Jerry Kerr stand was was almost exact. I, I tried to find my ticket and I don't have my ticket from that game, which annoyed me. But I swear to God, it was it was there or thereabouts in the same seat. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just great to be back. And well, they might want to do their counting of their pies a bit better for the next time because went at, went at half time to get a pie and they ran out of pies just as I was about. And I left the game about five minutes to go till half time and by the time I got served the girls were like wait is it not even half time yet and uh, they'd run out of pies before <laughs> half time would even happen so uh, and I, I got the last hot dog um, so yeah it was a bit I think they maybe need to do their, their numbers a bit better for next time but it was great to be back at uh, a ground I've not been to a long time um, mildly disappointed that they didn't sell out the, the, the shed that they had mentioned that they were going for um, not going to go on and rant about teams not selling us more tickets but you know if you're going to do something you should probably you know do it you know like if you're going to deprive yourself of money um, when you've got guaranteed money coming in from Celtic fans and even if they had given us a bit more it's not as if you know they're they're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be taking over like three quarters of the ground or anything like that. You know, I mean, if, even if it was 50-50, do you know what I mean? It's, it, it, as long as you sell it and sell the tickets. So I, I felt for anybody that wanted to go on Monday night that couldn't go, I was lucky enough to get one. But there'd be plenty of other people that would have gone that couldn't get one. And uh, but anyway, as as what it is, we did the job. I thought we played really well and and actually didn't even really need to properly motor against them, and I thought we would. Um, and I said to my pals in the pub beforehand, I said, we could win 3-0, 3-0 tonight, and Seagrass could still get man of the match. And we won 3-0, he didn't get man of the match, though, because uh, it was kind of his fault for that second goal, big thing. It was a comfortable and competent performance, I feel. I, I thought we played be- better against Livingston previously. I thought we were more impressive against Livingston, but we got but we got the job done against Dundee United. Michael McDonald, why won't Dundee United sell us more tickets for Tanneries? This is the first time in a number of seasons that Dundee United have not given us the shed. And the reason was, I think they says that they listened to their fans. The fans wanted to get back into their shed, which was their traditional end. And the whole the whole stushy was that they wanted to reduce the ticket prices to twenty pound. And Celtic says we'll take the twenty pound ticket prices, but do not take those two thousand tickets off us. Do not reduce our allocation. And when Dundee United refused to keep Celtic's allocation as it was, Celtic says, well, no, you're charging. SPFL prices then, which ended up, was it 27, 28 quid, JT? Yeah, yeah, 27 quid. So Celtic were made out to be the bad guys for wanting to actually accept a a ticket price cut 
but mm-hmm. not w- not willing to accept getting an allocation reduced to, mm-hmm. as you say, one stand. I'm going to say fair play to Dundee United here. I actually thought it, it, it was on the TV. It sounded a decent atmosphere. Was it a decent atmosphere there? I thought I thought Dundee United got the presentation right, and it looked colourful, and it looked mostly full the way the tele cameras were there. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. I think. I think it could have been. It could have been. It could have been different. I mean, I don't think the shed was was full as was uh, as it was intended to be. It wasn't. It wasn't sparse by any means, but it wasn't absolutely full. Um, I think this this argument's going to going to rage on, isn't it? Like it, it, it's now becoming. You get you you you, you pass one uh, debate, Motherwell, Alan Burroughs, <laughs> Twitter, etc. And then you move on to the next one, Livingston. There is no debate. They give us the three stands. We fill them, you know. And I've said before, we we filled them and they beat us one <laughs> 0 And then we filled them and we uh, we filled them and and we finally beat them a couple of weeks ago. And then now you move on to Dundee United, and there's that argument, and there'll be an argument again at probably Tynecastle and on Hibs and whatever else, but. Um, we'll we'll maybe get somewhere eventually, but oh, well, the next thing is the 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 the, the split for the the, the semi final, which um, I was actually delving into last night to think. You know, I'm I'm in the home, home cup ticket scheme, so obviously I'm I'm in with a shout of getting a ticket for that game. But I found eventually somebody saying that there's thirty three thousand people in the home cup ticket scheme. Is that right? I I remember um, under. Brendan, Brendan Rogers. There's the Brendan Rogers clocks on 15 minutes, 38 wow. settings in. Um, there, there was 29,000. Right. And I, I would extremely doubt that there would be more on it now. Yeah. Truthfully. truthfully yeah. So. Well, okay. So, I mean, you're looking at... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hamden's what, 51? 51, then you can take 9,000 off for deben- the debenture scheme and those that have got season tickets at Hamden as well, eh? Aye, so you're going to you're pretty much going to end up with about twenty thousand. Twenty thousand, aye. So people will miss out on that, but that that's you know you can't do anything about that. Then, that's like, well, then how many Celtic get to corporate as well? 
So, so whatever the rank and file allocation, you're saying twenty thousand. The rank and file allocation is only going to be about fourteen thousand. But when you take when you take the corporate away, it will be round about only fourteen fifteen thousand. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'll just have to cross my fingers on that one. Uh, I was lucky enough to get one for the the League Cup final, but then again, this this the the split was different for that, wasn't it? So, I guess we're waiting to. We'll wait and see. I mean, you've you've mentioned the Scottish Cup draw, and when the draw was getting made, I was watching it, and Greg Hempel trying to look like Brad Pitt and, and once upon a time in, in, in Hollywood, I think, eh, with the sunglasses and the way. I mean, he wasn't dressed for a late winter's evening in Dundee, anyway. Eh? I'm sure the hospitality, <laughs> I'm sure his hospitality must have been worn behind the glass in one of the booths, but at Tanadice, but. When we, when we were drawn uh, against Rangers, it took me right back to 1997, 97-98 uh, season, where we met Rangers in the semi-final at Celtic Park, and oh. we lost and we lost that game. But that season, we ended up winning a League Cup and obviously winning the league on the final day of the season. Mm-hmm. And, and it was Wim Janssen. Wim Janssen had came from Japan as well. Our current manager, Ange Postacoglu, has come from Japan. And when it came out, I was going, I've got a, a very big sense, sense of deja vu here uh, that we've managed to get Rangers in, this, in, in a semi-final. We've already won a League Cup. We're, we're in a title race, which looks like it is going to go down to the final few games as well. And you're going, well, and I started thinking, if somebody comes to you just now and offers you, you won the League Cup in the league, but Rangers will beat you in the semi-final, w- would you take it? I would bite both hands and uh, both feet <laughs> for that right now, definitely. Because uh, I, I know everyone's getting carried away with themselves and I guess you're allowed to after the way that we absolutely dismantled them at Celtic Park. You know, I mean, that was... Aside from Morelos, that was a probably full-strength Rangers team there or thereabouts and you know I know that maybe they didn't have uh, Ramsey in but I mean Ramsey's barely kicked a ball for them since that game so you know uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not subscribing to the fact that they were at, at some sort of weakened position if you want to talk about weakened position then uh, let's look back at last season and look at the first Celtic game Celtic Rangers game when Neil Wennon had to put together a side basically the night before uh, from what he had available you know, because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's a different kettle of fish. But there's no way I'm getting ahead of myself to think that, oh, well, you know, that this is all done and dusted. You know, that, that, that it will be tight. You know, they're still picking up points. I know they've dropped a, a lot since that, that since that game, but they find a way to win. They're winning in Europe as well. So there's, there's no way that this is just going to, you know, I don't think the next game is going to decide it, put it that way. I don't think, even if we went to Ibrox and beat them, I don't think that's it done. No, There's no way I would sit back with a cigar at that point and think, oh, well, that's it. Because you can't, you can't possibly afford to think like that. Um, I, I, I don't think you can possibly afford to think like that, JP. And also, I think where we are as a team, <laughs> we're still in a massive rebuilding stage and you look at the inexperience in the side as well I think we're punching above our weight and that's down to the manager and I think that's down to the manager and I still fear that there's go- that we're go- we're- we've got a massive bump in the road mm-hmm. still to come mm-hmm. but whether it's going to be a fatal bump in the road 
We do not know because I'm sure that they're going to have a bump on the road, bump on the road as well because mm. they're going to get through tonight and they're going to have two more games in Europe. I think one of the games is going to be before that semi final, oh. but they, their priorities then actually change. I would, I'm like you, I would bite your hand off if somebody says you're going to lose the semi final but you're going to win the league. I'll go. I will take that. I will definitely take that because mm. where we were at the start of the season. I didn't expect to be here, truthfully. No, 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 no chance. I mean, we, we all sat here. I actually tried to scroll back on the Celtic State of Mind YouTube channel. To I only went, I only got as far back as the Mitchelland games, and I couldn't get back further. So I don't know if there's some sort of uh, glitch or way that you can get back further. But I just wanted to go back to see what. Uh, I, 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 if you're a conspiracy theorist, I'm sure that probably somebody would say they've been, they've, been del- they've been deleted to protect the innocent. Aye, aye, well, maybe, but um, I, 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 I'm pretty confident in what I remember saying about the manager when he came in and, you know, also my hopes and aspirations for this season was to just put up a fight, at least, you know, not be not have a towel thrown in in October, mm. November, like last season, you know, where... We were just so far off it, and so many things just seemed to conspire against us, uh, as well as our own uh, poor form. Um, but if you remember, we did pick it back up to, in December, and we got it back to some sort of shooting distance, and then it just, you know, the Dubai thing just absolutely annihilated it. So, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the way that we, the way where we're sitting right now is 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 beyond anybody's surely anybody's expectations um to, to to think that we're actually top of the league with a with a gap um with a better goal difference and having the confidence of having you know properly put them to the sword at Celtic Park. Um people might say oh that was a, a freak night or whatever but I, I really don't think you could say that. I think we've seen enough in other games to know that this team when it's when it clicks, we'll do that to a lot of other uh, teams. Um, the European thing, that, you know, I get, that was a huge bonus to even get into the Europa League, as you have said before on this, uh, as, have, as, as have I. So, you know, to get, you know, bumped out of Bodo Glimt, whilst it was a bit kind of like, oh, well, they're not a European superpower, they're a good team and a well-run club. They just beat Alkmaar uh, 2-1. So they're looking likely to probably progress uh, and then to the next round of the, the Conference League. And then you're starting to look at them as maybe being contenders to win the whole thing in what is quite a, still a strong uh, pool of teams. There's still some half-decent teams in there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it, it's one of those where you're just like, we, we shouldn't be where we are, but we should definitely still be cautious about where we are and not not get all um, sort of gung-ho and bravado about things because I think that's that it's not I, I, I can't bear it when I hear people say things like that because you're just like whoa <laughs> no no and some folks say it's been pessimistic but I think it I, I, for me I think it's just been realistic that we've got yeah. to actually have a look at where we are I watched a bit of the AZ uh, Bodo Glunt game last week yeah. and I thought AZ looked a better side and really? I, I would fancy AZ to overturn them tonight 
okay. unless unless Bodo make the a start like they did at like they did at Celtic Park. Uh, what I, what I would say though, we talk about that we talk about that game in January, and for me that was the moment I reckon that we were back, and I remember I got the same feeling when we lost. 2-1 at Celtic Park, two Rangers uh, under Gerrard a couple of weeks after we had won the League Cup and they had dominated that game in the League Cup. Then they went and they, they comfortably beat us at Celtic Park that day. I, re- I remember walking out of Celtic Park going, they've got us now. This is an actual race. Even though we went on to actually win the title that season, that mm-hmm. always sat at the back of my mind. I reckon that result was a game changer in the mentality of them as a football club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the three nothing game with us as being the game changer in the mentality as a football club going forward. Mm-hmm. Might not be this season, but I reckon that will be our launch pad going forward. Uh, we might not get there yet, but I think when we look back, we'll go. That was a point that turned. That was a game that actually turned uh, for me anyway. But uh, again, we just we just need to wait and see. I'm going to bring in a couple of comments before we're going to move on and talk about the tagline. Um, and we want, and I've noticed a couple of comments about the tagline. It'll become more clear when we actually start discussing what we're actually going to discuss. Uh, Brian Murphy, Chris Morris introduced the fields of Athen Wright Celtic supporters. It was his party piece. Now, there is an interview with Chris Morris on the Axon channel. Uh, it's, it's, only, it's an audio interview only, and he does admit that he got it from Niall Quinn. Now, Quinn uh, taught Chris Morris the fields off and right because Chris Morris used to go to Celtic supporters clubs when used to get players that would turn up at Celtic supporters clubs dances and he couldn't believe that he had to sing. So Peter Grant tell him, he just go up and you go, hail, hail, the crowd takes it over and you didn't need to sing. But he wanted to do something different and Niall Quinn taught him the fields off and right when he was on international duty. Uh, with Ireland Danielle F comes in I take that she's talking about the one in the league cup in the league AJSC Tech Greg Hempel did look a bit space rock in the roadie for the 1990s he did now now he mentioned that Magnet 67 league title is everything Paul here uh, 100% I would take that now, Robert Little comes in. This is a bit of a curveball question, but I, we'll both answer it. We'll both answer it. Kevin and JP, I'm adding your name into this because you need to answer this as well. Would you take the league if they won the Europa? Of well, course you would. Would I take the league if they won the Europa League? Well, I mean, if that was the only option, then yeah, of course I would. I mean, if, if, I mean what's, the, what's the alternative in that question? <laughs> um, they don't win the Europa League. And they win the league. Oh, I, I don't really know, but ultimately, I couldn't care less what they do as long as we win what we've got left and what we've got left to challenge for. As long as we do that, then I'm, I, you know, I'm happy. I, I, I have to say right now, I, I, I really don't think they're going to win the Europa League. Um, I know that they're I, I really, I know they're getting awfully excited about it and stuff like that. You know, and maybe they've got slight good reason to. They faced a Dortmund side without their best striker and probably one of the best strikers in modern in the, in the modern era um, and they were very very fortunate last week I know they won 3 now, but I've seen the chances three disallowed goals a penalty that 
uh, divides opinion over whether that was a penalty or not. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what happens tonight in that game. Um, but you know, if they if they if they get through the tie tonight, then fair play to them. But I mean, there's still so many big sides like Seville. You know, even West Ham. I I, I I don't really know if they've got it in them to go and uh, do a number on on any on some of the other sides in that competition. So, uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, they can do the one. But it, there, there's all there's a lot of shades of. I mean, remember we went to the UEFA Cup final in 2003 and won nothing. You know, like that was one of. I mean, what a weird weird thing to get so far. I mean, I was in Seville and then I was in Kilmarnock three or four days later to see us lose the league at Rugby Park. It was absolutely... Like, to see that team <laughs> lose and not win anything, it just shows you that Europe can hamper you. I mean, they went to uh, uh, the final in 2008 and won nothing. So... Yeah, but they were rubbish. <laughs> they were, but they... But they <laughs> They had they showed that they showed that they, they found a way to win games to get them to a European did, final. Did, did, did they not win their last ever Scottish Cup that and season? Did they not beat Falkirk in the final? Oh, was that that season? No, no, no. Was that was that the year after? Who cares? I didn't. I'm I'm pretty sure I heard recently Celtic didn't win in in 2003. Rangers didn't win in in 2008. Might uh, be aye. So, it was 2008 though. That was the season that wasn't extended because the season always finishes on a Thursday night. That's right, I. No, that's that's. I'll, I just, I just like to clarify that in my mind because it seems to be one of these myths that go about that. Yeah, I, the season I, always finishes on a Thursday night. No, yeah, but everything goes on about how strong their squad is. I don't think he's really Van Bronckhorst is really utilising their squad. I don't think he trusts a lot of the squad, so therefore he's focusing on a pretty. It's pretty much the first eleven, maybe with the exception of a couple, but there isn't. Any, you know, I don't think I think we've actually started to show that we have, you know, a, a, a better squad potentially in in the in the with everybody fit now. You look at Kyogo Furashi coming back. You look at David Turnbull coming back. Uh, the options we've got up front are, you know, try and pick a front three right now because it's quite hard. <laughs> um, and and I, I just don't. I, I think I think they've got a, a good first eleven who all you know quite you know trust each other and everything else. But you can only get so much out of that first eleven, and if you adding in these extra games, is whilst it's great for their fans and obviously the the experiences they've had recently at, at Ibrox against Dortmund and against uh, Red Star Belgrade have been great and everything. It, you know. Something's got to give at some point, you know, in, in that, you know. Um, so, we'll, we'll wait and see. Ah, well, you wait and see. I mean, you're talking about uh, Van Bronckhorst not using the Rangers squad, eh? I mean, he's a bit wee, maybe he can't see at the back of the room, eh? So, uh, could, could well be that. <laughs> we mentioned Ange Postacoglu. Let's go on to our, our manager, the, the man that's turned us, our, uh, turned us round. And you mentioned Seville there. Now, that season, 2002-2003, is one of the greatest seasons that I'll ever get watching Celtic. As you say, we ended up without silverware. That was a season where we made our name on the European map once again. People all over Europe were, were talking about us on, on, that, on that run to Seville. And you felt a connection to the football club. You felt like the football club was going in the right direction because you had Martin and you had a team of 
absolute heroes on the pitch. Do, do you felt like they were doing it for you? But that's a football fan, right? You always feel that the players are on the pitch are doing it for you. Now, last season there was a disconnect between Celtic and the Celtic and the fans, Celtic and the club, the fans and the club. Um, and that was something that we wanted to bridge this season. There was an article. There was an article in the Guardian that you shared with us. With, was it Jonathan Wayu mm-hmm. uh, about the PSG fans after getting put out the the Champions League last week? Mm-hmm. And previously, they've been protesting against their Qatari owners, uh, mm-hmm. basically because they think the club is soulless. They're no interested in buying uh, Messi and all of that. They're no interested in winning a Champions League. They've just felt like they've actually become. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Ultimate consumers for a brand PSG, they've lost the football club. There was a lot of Celtic fans felt like that last year as well, that we had lost the football club, that the people in the boardroom weren't listening, listening to us. And what, what, what I actually mean when I say that has Ange given us our club back, I think he's given us the connection between the, the fans and the players. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest connection of, of all but whether the club, or the, the club, when I mean, when I say the club, I actually mean the PLC board. I still reckon there's a massive disconnect between the fans and those sitting in the boardroom. But mm-hmm. Ange Postecoglou has gave us a football club back, no matter what actually happens this season, and we mean on the on the pitch. And that comes down to him as a man. Mm-hmm. It comes down to him as the kind of character that he's came across came across as this statesman that he actually gets us. He actually gets what the fans want from this football club. What 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 do you think? Have we got our club back or are we just of or have we actually only got it partly back because of post a cobbler? Uh well just to pick up on the PSG thing first of all, I I, I read that article, um someone shared that I picked up and shared it again and I just thought I mean I, when I was at the when PSG tanked us 7-1, I was there that night. And I have to say, there was a, there was a, there was a far more about that club than 
that I found that I discovered that night in terms of their support and in terms of what they are as a club and see the fact that they've come out and actually the fans are basically saying, look, you can give us all the bling and, you know, fancy players and everything else that you like, but that isn't really what we want. We want to, I think they, I think they do want to see a soul to their club. And I have to say more power to them. I'm, I, I, I don't like what PSG have become on the face of it. But if you actually scratch the surface and see, you know, what's what's beneath there and the fact that they do, I mean, people have sort of half said that to me before, that, that PSG have a bit of a support and a, a bit of a kind of core element, um, you know, like us, you know, like if, it, you know, if you want to see the Green Brigade or if they've got ultras or whatever. And to see them kind of rebel against that is, is quite refreshing, actually, especially in this day and age when, I can't stand the the way that the English league is right now. You know why? Why does why does it need to be a billionaire tycoon that comes in to take over from Abramovich? Why can't Chelsea stand on their own two feet? You know why does everybody that come into England now have to have like a twenty five figure uh, bank account? You know, like the whole the Newcastle thing, the Man City thing. You know. I watched Paul Scholes after the game the other day just bemoaning where Man United are. And Man United have spent an obscene amount of money on players. They've just done it badly and they've not had any plan. And it's just horrible to watch a club that I've got a lot of love for. I know a lot of people don't like Man United, but they've been my team since I've been a wee guy. Um, And I just, I, I honestly want a mushroom cloud to envelop uh, English football and everybody has to start from scratch and, and see how they get on then without their sugar daddies and dirty money and you know all of that 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 would be great going back to Celtic I think last season because of the fact that we weren't at the grounds uh, and the way that Covid changed everybody's life for that time and to a certain extent still is changing people's life we were so far away from the club anyway. For to, for us to have such a spectacular collapse on the park meant that whoever was coming in had the biggest job on their hands ever to not only revive the football team, but revive the fans' interest and fans' support. And I mean, we're always going to support the club, of course we are, but to come back to the ground and really feel like we're part of part of Celtic again and I mentioned this to you last night and I said it to Paul last week as well just off air the Dominic Mackay thing which he's been completely airbrushed out of out of everything really which is utterly amazing eh? it's mental mental. it's just like he was never there when he wasn't mentioned in that wee interview skit around about the time of the AGM or whatever it was that, that was really odd but if you think about it, I, I think his presence at the start of this season, people were willing to give Ange Postacoglu more of a chance, I think, than they would have been if it had just been a continuation of the old guard. You know, if it had been Lawwell, for example, I don't know if Postacoglu would have got as as, as, as easy a ride as he did or, or, or be given enough time. Um, I think Mackay... That's a really, really interesting point. That is a, it's like Mackay, Mackay was there, oversaw that. There was a fan media thing where it was like Mackay and Postacoglu were front and centre 
and everyone was like, right, okay, we want to get behind Mackay, and this is Mackay's guy, so we'll get behind him. And it, it allowed that it allowed that transition to be a lot smoother than it maybe would have been, you know. And we like we like parallel universes. Imagine a parallel universe where it's been Peter Lawwell that's tried to introduce Postacoglu to the support. Well, the, the, there was a there was a claim by Peter Wall that he was involved in appointing Postacoglu. I think that actually came from Ian Banker at the at the AGM. I mean, you've got. I mean, whatever happens this season, I think it's clear to me that the narrative is going to be Postacoglu. That is the narrative. It's not going to be Callum McGregor winning his first title if that's what actually happens or winning his first treble or, or, a, or a double in his first season. The narrative is going to be about Postacoglu. The story is going to be about Postacoglu and the way that he's bought into what we all believe. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm talking just about me and you here, mate. Like, he's bought into that Celtic state of mind. He knows that Celtic state of mind and we can actually relate to him. The same that we could that we could relate to the Martin O'Neill team that I mentioned. We could relate to Martin O'Neill and also the same. I don't really think I felt this connection to a manager since O'Neill and Tommy Burns. Because you knew that they got what Celtic actually meant and I still don't think a lot of the people in the boardroom actually get what Celtic may mean. If we go back to Ian Bankier's comments about Europe and the AGM as well, he says that we can't compete. He says, what's the point of getting to the Champions League? As you mentioned, getting horse 7-1 off PSG. Anybody with a sense of reality goes, we're not getting horsed off PSG, we're getting horsed off Bobo Glunt, we're getting horsed off Copenhagen, we're getting horsed off Fenris Varoc. There's a difference there. Then another comment that he actually made at the Celtic Foundation when he says Celtic are a middle-class club who help projects like St Mary's through the foundation. I didn't ken where he actually thought, he obviously never read the room when he was actually saying that as well. And we've got the whole other thing. We've got that court case in pen in which the club have actually handled horrendously. And we'll mm. talk about that more when we actually can. Um, but the club have handled that as a non-entity business uh, rather than looking at the human cost of what actually went on uh, during mm. that period of time. It's stuff like that which makes me feel that the distance between the support and the actual those that are running the club is getting further and further away. And I was having a look at it, and I'll ask you the question, why do you go to the football, JP? Why? Why do you still turn up to games? Why do you still go to away games? Uh, I, I, I just... I think there's maybe something that, that, that connects it to my childhood and, and, you know, to the fact that it's something... I mean, I'm a very nostalgic person, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just... It's something that I've always, always loved. It's something that I latched onto at a very young age and just, you know, became infatuated with everything Celtic, Scotland, Man United. That was it for me. All those three, those three teams, I just wanted to watch them play wherever, you know. Maybe not Sydney. But uh, <laughs> that's another story. Um, well, that, that 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 looks like it's gone belly up as well. If the the the, the rumours are to be believed, really, is there chat yeah. about it? Oh dear, oh dear. That, I mean, that if that's a huge PR own goal for for both clubs, uh, if that is the case, because you know, it, it just it never. As soon as I heard it, I was like, "That's this doesn't sit right with me." I don't. 
I don't, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, you need to be progressive and it's money and, you know, Man United would play Man City in Dubai. I don't like the fact that Man United would play Man City in Dubai. That That's horrifying to me. That is so far away from anything I want to, to have involved in my uh, football club and Celtic more so than any um, to be involved in this, uh, like to take a rivalry and then sort of, I know that Australian fans would love to see it and then, you know, it'd be an opportunity for them to see it, but they're seeing a, they'd be seeing a sanitised version of what is the derby and people are like, oh, it will still mean something. No, it won't. It won't mean anything. It's, it's, it's not, there's nothing, there's no prize at the end of it. You know, what are the bragging rights for winning a friendly in Sydney? Do you know, I don't really think there's many. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be, you know, swaggering about town if we, you know, beat Rangers 1-0 in Sydney. You know, whether like a probably a, a sort of semi-shadow side or whatever. So, um, no, I mean, the, the, the disconnect, I hear things from in, from people I know inside Celtic Park to tell me that there is that there is there is a huge disconnect between those above and uh, uh, you know the, the the staff there and things like that. It's just it's it's not not a harmonious place, I don't think. Um, but Postecoglou, like you said, has done the most important thing, and that is unify the fans and the team. And anything else out with that bubble is is maybe, and you know you know. That's for the the rest of them to worry about and the rest of them to tidy up. There's a Brendan Rodgers quote when he spoke about the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. and he was meaning the club, the players and the fans. Mm-hmm. I think now Celtic are unstoppable if the players and the fans are together. I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's the, the bottom line the, the bottom line is and the disconnect between that board is too far to actually breach now that we don't actually care what... I mean, we talk about the Sydney thing. Right away, we were like, aye, go to Australia by all means. We've got no we've got no problem with that. That is modern football, whether we like it or lump it, we're going to actually put the brand, and I hate calling us a brand, the fact that we can... The, fan, the fact is, me as a fan has even got call my club a brand in my vocabulary. It's completely wrong. But that's that's since 1992. Football clubs are seen as brands and that's how the, the businessmen in the, bo- the boardroom are going, to, are going to see us. But just putting, I called the old firm a toxic brand. Mm-hmm. But everything I look at since 2012, our club done everything to keep that toxic brand alive. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just really kind of get it kind of get really over that. And yes, it's all great, one in one in four quadruple trebles and all of that, but by the size of the other club as a business, they were always going to come back. Mm. And and we can talk about the lays fair rule breaking all we want. Your mm. club turned a blind eye to that as well. And that 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 can never be denied. And, the, and there's still guys sitting on the board that turned a blind eye to that, that blatant cheating mm-hmm. as well that are still sitting there for business reasons. What, what, what I'm thinking when I buy my season ticket, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about the board and that. The only reason that I'm still going to the football is my daughter loves it. I've, I've done it since 1982 and I love my CSC. I love a Saturday afternoon out with my CSC and go, going to the guys, going to the games. Sometimes the game's secondary to the actual, to actual day out and I'm loving the fact that my daughter's loving going to the football now. She's get she's getting the same bug that I, that I had uh, at her age, yeah. and that's the only reason I'm probably still going 
because yeah. I, I, I could give you a list of reasons why I would stop going. And all, all of it is modern football. All of it is the reason that the PSG fans and, and all of that are like now going, wait a minute, we didn't like this. This is mm-hmm. becoming a soulless place. I reckon, mm-hmm. uh, I reckon our board have tried to make Celtic soulless, a faceless, soulless corporation. Mm-hmm. And the only people that are keeping the spirit of Celtic alive are the guys like me and you and the guys in the stands, the guys in the comments and, and that. We are, oh, the yeah. reason, we are the only reason that I keep them going. Just check, Kev, we are just standard Celtic fans. I, we're not special Celtic fans. No, we're just standard Celtic because fans. We have, because we happen to speak to each other on a podcast and people watch it. I, I don't consider myself any way better or anything like that. Just, I mean, like I, I happen to know Paul, who I got to know, uh, and you yourself as well, four years ago and ended up doing this in lockdown. Um I don't think I probably would be on a Celtic podcast if it hadn't been for the fact that I met you and Paul. So I've not I've not come on this with some sort of mad agenda to be you know some sort of elite Celtic fan or anything like that. I just I mean you you surely can know from the stuff I've said over the last year and a half or however long I've been on this is that I that is exactly what I am. And uh, on the subject of CSCs, by the way, it was it was actually good on Monday to be back in a supporters bus, so thank you to the uh, Easter House Emerald for uh, providing uh, uh, transport there, and also the Lisbon Lions CSC for transport back, so two, two different supporters buses on a Monday night um, and still managed to get back into my flat before I was back at midnight or whatever actually, which is alright uh, considering it was a, a Monday night kickoff. so yeah, that that is another reason that you, you enjoy going to the games is the camaraderie of being on a supporters bus uh, or being in the pubs beforehand, uh, things like that. You know, getting to to see, getting to catch up with people that you know life's weird at the moment. You, you've got to make plans all the time to do things. Like it's, I don't think there is there isn't there doesn't seem to be as much of a sporadic nature about things as there used to be. And I, don't, I really don't like that, but it's just the way it is at the moment. And so seeing people, you know, you, you, you make a plan to go to a game, you know you're going to see people that go to the games because they are doing the exact same thing as you. So, um, yeah, that, that's that, that's a big part of it as well. That's uh, a massive part of it. And, like... You look at the moment, and I can't find, can find the comment... Uh, uh, Somebody, somebody says, once I find it, somebody says that the Chelsea fans at this precise moment in time are having a reality check. Well, mm. some of them are. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it looks like they're travelling support are not having a, having a reality check, but some of them are mm. with regards to the ownership of their club. And that's something that always fears me. Uh, Kevin14 quite rightly comes in and says, I hear a lot of board bashing, but never solutions. I think maybe because the solution... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Brown Warrior comes in, a solution would be fans getting the 50 plus one would be fans getting the pub back. Anything less is smoke and mirrors. 
the only way that we're going to get rid of the current people that run the club is if the 51, the 50 plus one thing comes in. Mm-hmm. The Celtic Trust get enough shares or some rich sugar daddy comes in and buys out Dermot Desmond or some hedge fund company comes in and buys out Dermot Desmond. And sometimes you sit and look at that, you sit and look at that JP and you go, that would be even worse than what it is just now. I know, it would. It really would. I mean, you look at what's happened to Barcelona. I mean, that's. I've always had a soft spot for Barcelona for all the reasons you would expect, um, football or otherwise. And to see the new camp being named the Spotify, like, <laughs> never mind the fact, the Spotify new camp, uh, never, or Spotify camp new. Never mind the fact that there's it's been it's been named uh, a, a different stadium, but. For Spotify to be pumping money, and I mean, I seen Tim Burgess and the Charlatans tweeting about this, going, "Oh yeah, that's great that Spotify's putting all this money in a football club, and we're getting paid pennies as artists for having our songs on Spotify." It's the biggest, it's the biggest mess I've ever, ever seen. You know that you're kind of not blacking in the name of a football club. That's the wrong thing. That's the wrong word to use. But you're changing the perception of Barcelona as a football club using a streaming a music streaming service that has already um uh, got a really really bad reputation and amongst uh, musicians and artists um for the, the the poor distribution of funds to said artists and yet you go and see them a uh, pumping money into a football club and you're like I mean it's just it's, it's so what, wrong what, what, what will Spotify get out of sponsoring Barcelona? It's like McDonald's sponsoring the Olympics. Yeah. What do you? What? What? What is a music streaming company going to get out of sponsoring Barcelona? I don't. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't that question somewhere, Kev, but I, I certainly can't. I just. I, I just find it just makes me really uncomfortable. You know, it just it's it's Barcelona abandoning. I mean, they're abandoning their their principles, their morals. You know, I know that they. They once didn't have a shirt sponsor, and yes, they did get UNICEF, but that was the first sort of step towards them, you know, loosening their their uh, their origins, I guess. Um, and then now you've got this sponsored stadium nonsense, and I, I don't know how I, I don't know the figures. I've not looked into it, but you know, I know Barcelona are in a bad way, but they're in a bad way because they've spent badly, like Man United have spent badly. They've, they've had the wrong people in charge, and it's, it's really is sad, sad to see. That's not the same Barcelona of this uh, early to mid nineties, you know, with Stoichkov and Mario and all of that. You know, it's 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 not that team. I'm going to bring up a comment by Martin Rooney here. I, I didn't mean to be rude here, Martin. You are un, uneducated on commercial, like right? I am a. So if you can, we've just admitted that. So if you can come in the comments and tell us what the commercial rights and the benefit for Spotify sponsoring Barcelona, the name of the new camp, the Spotify new camp, then come in and tell us because we want to be educated because we want to understand why why these companies would why these companies would actually do that. Uh, what was the other? I mean, it actually looks that mental that it doesn't look real. See, when I saw it, and I saw. The image, the, the 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 image that they used to promote it, I was like that. 
That looks like something like of brass eye or something like that. Doesn't it look real? <laughs> brass eye. There's a there's a blast for the past. I well, I mean, maybe it's a bit extreme, but it, it just it doesn't it doesn't it it looks so crazy that it doesn't sit right with me as being actual reality that that, that is that, that is what's happening. Um, uh, Rory Morrison. Thoughts on Desmond the Zoner, the lefty, the lefty socialist warriors suddenly very quiet on him considering where he has made a lot of his money, as usual, utter hypocrites. I think there's hypocrisy in a lot of football and there's a, a lot of hypocrisy in football fandom. That goes without saying, that goes hand in hand. I think De- we all know that Desmond has maybe got a shady background where he actually got his money and I think what I'm having a look at, the only way that you're going to get anybody that's squeaky clean is fan ownership. But even then, within fan ownership, you're, you would have some, you would have some major players where the fact is that where they got their wealth would be like subject to scrutiny. Because I think that's just like the, I think that's just the nature of having undeniable wealth, there's going to be some scrutiny how you've ended up with that undeniable wealth, whether it's tax avoidance or anything like that, JP. What I, w- what I would say about uh, Desmond would be, we always seem like an afterthought, but then again, when you see guys like Neil Lennon and that speaking about him, they seem like they say Desmond is quite involved. But, but- what, 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 do you, what, what do you think of Desmond? I mean, it's... Alex, Alex Burrow actually says sometimes better the devil you know and I get that point as well I think football's at a crossroads maybe that's what maybe this is the last 20 minutes have been a long way of actually getting it I think it's us as Celtic fans and us as football fans are at a crossroads where football is going to go and the the Russian situation the Chelsea situation and also the Super League situation last year is causing a lot of people now to actually consider what they believe football fandom to be. Am I just being overdramatic? No. So, so Abramovich apparently is due, what, one point something billion? Is that is that right? Is that what he's... he's like? Aye, but he, he doesn't own the pitch, seemingly. He, right. doesn't, he, he owns the stands, but the Chelsea supporters trust own the pitch, so he yeah. could never sell it for housing. Right, OK, but... I'm just trying to imagine... What what are Chelsea like as a football club without Roman Abramovich at the helm in the last seventeen years or nineteen years or however long he's been there nineteen years I think. What are Chelsea football club like as a as a club without Roman Abramovich? What have they won? You know all of that. What are we like without Dermot Desmond in the last twenty years? What have we won? What have we done? What has Desmond actually put into the thing that I've always you know, argued is that we are a self-sustained football club. We live within our means. We don't go out and shell out 20 million on players, uh, you know, willy-nilly, you know, just when we feel like it. We don't overspend for the size of the league that we were in. That we were in. Um, our record signing for so long was Chris Sutton, you know, at 6 million. I mean, that record stood for, how many years until we broke it with Edward? Edward, I. Yeah, I mean that. How many years later is that? Like what, sixteen, seventeen years later? So you could hardly say that we are this. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have wasted a lot of money. If you added up all the 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 duff signings we've made, we have probably spent a lot of money. But that's over a period of time. We've not just gone out and shelled out 
you know, crazy money on players. So I've always been of the thinking that we're a self-sustained club and that we spend within it, we live within our means and we're not relying on, uh, there isn't like a, oh, we better go to Dermot Desmond and get 10 million so we can buy X player or whatever. That, and maybe naively, that is what I think, that I don't know if that's wrong or not, but it doesn't seem to me that we've been going to Dermot Desmond, you know, cap in hand, saying, oh, we, we need more players. Can you give us some money, please? Or can you dig us out of this hole? So I, 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 I don't know what the purpose of Dermot Desmond is. I think he is this is going to sound completely against what I've just said but he's a safe hand Kevin 14 I came and I've lost the comment again Kevin so um, I'm sorry about that he says every club major club in Europe is in debt while we are self-sufficient mm-hmm. and I think that is a decent thing you, you said to me last night when we were discussing what we were actually going to talk about today that that's one of the good things that we are and I, we, we, I think we're in a strange situation. As um, Stephen Kenny, if this comes up, here we go. When when the dog poo hits the fan, we'll be one of the only few clubs standing, and and we will we'll be very glad about that. Sixty seven, they will be sorry when Desmond gets fed up and walks away and puts it up for sale. That is a fear. Why though? That's the question. Why will we be sorry when Desmond puts it up for sale? What? what? I think we're right to have a fear of who who takes it over. Oh no! Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think that Dermot. I don't know the guy. Never met him. I don't think that Dermot Desmond. And I don't actually know a lot about him either. Naively, maybe. Nobody does. I, yeah, but I mean, well, that's true. But I don't think that he doesn't have Celtic's best interests in heart, at heart. I, I, I certainly. I, I really don't believe that. I mean, I, I could be completely wide in the mark, and he might not. He might. He might not. But why would you be involved? Is, is it just a play thing for him? Is it just a a showy thing for him to sort of talk about when he's out golfing with his pals and be like, "Oh yeah, you know, Celtic, Celtic that's my thing." You know, the rumor was that was that he got into us because we thought we'd have moved to the English Premier League when mm-hmm. that was in and so that was it but if that was the case I think he would have sailed up well before now because that English Premier League aeroplane flew away many many moon flew away many many moons ago JP I'll be honest I don't want us anywhere near that league now absolutely not there might have been a time where I would maybe kind of flirted and flirted in my head with the idea but but now to go into that mess that is the English Premier League Absolutely not. I, I think it's uh, I, I, nah. I mean, we're a Scottish football club. We play in Scotland. I think that's the end of the, the end of the story. Really, I don't think I don't think there should be a Celtic, even a Celtic second team playing in England that works its way up into the Premier League. I, I think that's a fanciful idea, and I don't think it will ever happen in in our lifetimes. Um, I don't. I, that's just my opinion. Uh, as BAC comes in, we, the Celtic Trust or, or whoever, should have some kind of legal contract to check who we sell the club to in the future, i.e. no Katarin or Shakes or Craig Whites. There's probably something in there is probably something there, there is probably something in that. JP, we've been really serious today. What started off as a light-hearted thing about the fields off and my turned into a serious facade. Philosophical conversation about the future of 
think no, I, mean, I don't think I, I don't think you could say we've been uh, we've been negative. I mean, we've, we've certainly uh, focused on the positives of the of the club in its current state, and we've got a game on Saturday against Ross County that is a huge, huge game. Uh, you know, they're they're a team in reasonable form, and they've got I think they still got the top scorer in the league in Reagan Charles Cook, who looked lively against us at Dingwall, took us a oh, last minute. Last minute winner from Anthony Ralston to get the three points there, so we just need to get the three points on Saturday and then and then move on to what is then the biggest game of the season uh, at Ibrox. And none of us will be there. Well, seven or eight hundred of us will be there, but uh, it should be seven thousand, shouldn't it? But that's that's another argument. <laughs> I, I still reckon none of us will be there. I still reckon there won't even be seven or eight hundred. I still think I still think that's I still think that's going to happen. Uh, now Ben fifteen says the reason that he keeps on going to Celtic is the love of Celtic for forty five years, fifty four years. Sorry, Ben, uh, I knocked off nine years there. <laughs> Daniel Steen, the board got Ange, so please give praise when praise is did. Yes, Ange Postacoglu is the bat signal for all things good of Celtic Football Club this season and the man has been immense no matter what happens on, on the way in. Uh, Jim Hannaway probably sums it up so we can conclude that money is killing football. Aye. Aye. <laughs> I think that was a basic half, last half hour conversation that we had. Jim Hannaway again is going to come in. Jim, sorry. Good job we didn't pay you a five or a comment. <laughs> Hoops Baron Los Cristianos. I know Stevie owned the Hoops Baron Los Cristianos and I still think he did. And hopefully I'll get to see him in the next couple of weeks when I go out. And yeah. James oh, yeah. Robertson. James Robertson comes in. JP, this is for you. My godson's band, the Bottle Rockets, played King Tut's last Thursday. I was there to see them. You were working very hard. Tut's is still a great venue. So there you go. I tell you what, they were great, by the way. Bottle Rockets. It was their, uh, it was their first. Was it the first head? No, I think it was their first gig. Um, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm right in saying that, but they're a really good couple of tracks on Spotify as well. Oh, there's that, that, uh, that word. I mean, I, 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 I really don't like Spotify and and what it's what it's done to to the the music business. Um, but right now it is the only way you can discover a, a, a new band straight away and uh, I listened to Bottle Rockets before they played Tuts and was very impressed and I was very impressed with them live as well. Nice people too. It's just glad that he saw you working because other people think that we just do this for a living, eh? We have got day jobs. Yeah. JP, it's been immense to speak to you because the only time I usually see you is at concerts when you're selling me Twilight Sad t-shirts. And that's the only yeah. time that I that I usually see you nowadays. Couple of opportunities uh, for that in the in the next uh, in the next month or so. Both I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm away in Tenerife for the, for the Barrowlands gigs, which I'm absolutely gutted about. Aye. Well, you, need to, uh, you need to come and connect in August then. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. Uh, talking about merch, axon.net, there's loads of merch back in there. It's been fully stocked again, including my book. I had to get my plug in, my, my weekly plug. Uh, on, this, on, the, on, the, on the channel, Paul's away today. We're recording plenty of sessions, uh, up and coming musicians for the channel. There's loads of them there. Please check it out. And everybody, thank you very much for your chat and your viewing. And 
Just keep it Celtic and just didn't be bams to each other, eh? Thanks very much and hail, hail. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.